Praise God. Well, glory. That's a good dose of the Holy Ghost. But I'm not going to turn you loose yet. I want to share something with you. So get your Bibles out. Go to the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 8. 2 Corinthians, chapter 8. I want to just share something real quickly. It's in addition to the message I preached here a few weeks ago about finding your purpose in life. And you know, I told you that you need to ask yourself four questions. What are you good at? What comes naturally? Both physical things and soulish things. And I pray you took some time and prayed over that. But I want to I continue on on that because I believe a lot of times in life, that we don't feel fulfilled in life because we're, we're not believing that we're walking in the purpose God has created for us. Each and every one of us, God started to work in our life when we were in our mother's womb, whether we realized it or not, which you probably didn't then, but I'm saying if you haven't ever thought about it. And he had a purpose for you. And a lot of times we go through life and we, we, we wonder about, this and, and I'm telling you, unless you know that you're walking in a relationship with God, even as a, if, if you're a Christian and you're just going to church and going through the motions, but you're not fulfilling your purpose in life, you're never going to be satisfied. You've got to find out on the inside of you what God created you for. And yes, you can go through all the little things. God, God created you for prayer. God created you for fellowship. God created you for worship. You know, yes, those are general things, but I'm talking about a more specific thing. And so I want to share something with you tonight, and I've, I've preached on this before, but I've, I've got it all twisted around. You'd never know it was the same message. Out of 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1, where Paul's talking about the Macedonian church. And I preached this a while back, talking about that I really believe that we are a Macedonian church because we're such givers. and But I want to show you something here. 2 Corinthians 8, I want to start reading verse 1. He says, Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed upon the churches of Macedonia, that in the great trial of afflictions and the abundance of their joy. Now, just listen to this. The great trial of their afflictions and the abundance of their joy. That doesn't even sound like it should go right, go together, right? Great trial of afflictions don't usually produce joy. And the deep poverty abounding in the riches of their liberality. Usually when you're in deep poverty, you're not thinking about being liberal in your giving. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. So we urged Titus that he, had, that he had begun so he'd also complete the grace in you as well. So here's this group of people in, in Macedonia that are wanting to give to the aid of the saints. And they're imploring Paul. They're saying, man, you've got to come. You've got to do this. You gotta, we want to give. We want to give to the needs of the saints. We want to give. We, you know, it's what we want to do. And he says some things in there. I'm going to break it down. Because what I'm calling this tonight is, is the things that you have to understand if you're ever going to really walk in your purpose in life, all right? Some, some principles that you have to put into play. You're not just going to be walking down the road one day and all of a sudden, 
Oh, I know. This is it. No, you're going to be, God's going to be, he has to develop you. All right? And so the very first thing, if you're going to be developed to walk in the principle and the purpose of God for your life, the very first thing is, is verse three, where it says they were freely willing. You know, this message means a lot to me because y'all know this. It's no new thing to you. I never wanted to be a pastor. It was never in a dream of my life. I never wanted to be a pastor. I never thought about it, sat around and said, oh, I just want to be a pastor. Some people are called like that. Some people have that, that on their life. But I know that God asked me to do this. I know that he, he prodded me and said, this is what I want you to do. And that Laura and I had to come to a place in life that we had to be freely willing to walk in it. In other words, it, it, it couldn't be something... You know, and sometimes I do drag my feet. I'll admit it. I was so blessed the other day. I was listening to Billy Graham, and uh, he said, yeah, I don't get up happy every morning. I'm like, really? Billy Graham doesn't get up happy every morning, you know? He says, yeah, some mornings I get up, and I just murmur and gripe and complain until I get in and begin to read my Bible and then stir myself in the Lord and go on. I was like, yeah, Billy, you're like one of us, you know? And so... The very first thing you've got to do, if, you're going to, if you really want to truly have a relationship with the Lord where you want to be used by Him, you have to be freely willing to do whatever He asks you to do. And sometimes that may not be exactly what you want to do. Okay? So, a scripture to go along with that is in Acts 1, 7, and 8. Is he, is Jesus is speaking, he says to them, Is it not for you to know the times of the season which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. Part of that word witness there, it means to be a martyr. It means to be willing to lay your life down for it. Now, I don't necessarily believe that in all instances it means literally, physically, your life. But it does mean your will. Okay? If you really want to walk in the purpose of God, you've got to be willing to lay down your will, your desire. Listen, folks, I just want to be a cowboy. That's all I ever want to be in life. I just want to just want a horse. I just want some cows. I just want to have a pasture. I just want to go take care of the cows. I don't want to do this. That's Robert Richards. That's my will. If I had a choice, I'd go do it. But I really don't have a choice because I gave my life to Christ. And when I gave my life to Christ, he said, this is what I need you to do for me. So maybe when I get to heaven, for the rest of my eternity, I get to manage the cattle on a thousand hills. You know, that's what I'm believing for. But right now, this has got to be the will of God. Well, if I want to walk in the purpose of God, it does fulfill me. I love to preach. And I love to see people change, and I love to see people helped, and I love to give, and I love to do these things, and I love to do it. It brings joy to me. It fulfills me, but there's another side over here that I have to put down because I have to go do this. Okay? So there's a part of that you've got to die to it. All right? The second part of this is in verse 4 where he says that they were imploring us. You're never going to walk in a purpose of God unless you can see the vision in it. Now, let me explain that a little bit. In Isaiah 46, 9 and 10, it says, God is the God who knows the end from the beginning. In other words, God's always looking at the big picture. Okay, so here's, here's something we're doing. Is, you know, we've been talking about these vans that we're getting for the kids. Okay, I stop during the day and I see the vans full of kids. 
I see the widows in the vans. I see us taking the widows in the vans to the hospital. I see the food truck bringing the food up, feeding the widows. I imagine it. I see it. I see the truck driving up. I see them unloading the eggs. I see them unloading the groceries. I see them take them to the widows. I see the smile on their faces. I see that we, we, we bless their day. I see the kids getting in the van and going somewhere that they never would have ever dreamed they could have been. I see the kids doing things that, you know, it's just like the, 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 the story of when they went to the big concert and, and uh, one, of our, one of our kids blessed a, a, a man, helped him out, and then blessed him. And he was so touched. Who is, this, who is this kid? And he had to follow her back to the seats and talk to Bethany and say, who, what are this? What is this? Who are these strange creatures that y'all are raising that love people and want to be blessings? And I, so if you're going to have a vision, you've got to be able to see it. Okay? And so that's what I'm saying. I see it. I see the church full. I see the kids laying hands on the sick and them getting instantly well. I see tumors falling off of people, freaking everybody out, rolling down the center of the church. You see, I see, you have to see it. If you're not going to walk in the purpose of God, if God called us to be ministers and to, to rescue these orphans, well, then I'm going to see him. I'm going to see Mimi as the president someday and calls me to Guatemala and wants to have a meeting with me. And I get to go into the presidential office in Guatemala and there's Mimi. And I'm like, Mimi. And we get a big hug and everybody's like, who is this strange person? Are you with me? you got to be able to see it. you got to be able to dream it and have that vision for it or you're not going to walk in it. You've got to be able to see. You, you know, you pray for somebody and an alcoholic is delivered. If you think, hey, I'm going to pray, nothing's going to happen, or is it going to go down the road? You know, you're not going to see anything happen. You're not going to see nothing. You got to be believing and seeing and, and having vision. You know, I was really blessed this week because I found out that all of my family members are watching me on television. I didn't know it. And I just found out that all of my family members watch me on television. They don't come to church here, but they watch me on, on the podcast every Sunday. And I found that out, and I was like, wow, what a blessing. What a, what? I didn't know. But I'm, I'm believing that there's people all over the world listening to the podcast. I'm believing there's people all over the world just in strange ways. I'm still waiting for that person to come up to me and say, you're, you're Robert Richards? My gosh, I've been listening to you forever, you know? Here's a million dollars. $900 million. I actually, okay, you got to understand something. You know, like I'm out there, right? And uh, so I've been praying about this because I just have this figure in my heart, $900 million, a lot of money. And the other day it hit me. I thought, you know, if you went, if you, what if you had a line of credit at a bank for $900 million? And I said, I'll take it that way, Lord. I'll take a line of credit in heaven for $900 million. So it doesn't matter if I had the $900 million at one time. It just can come in chunks and chunks and chunks in my line of credit. Okay. The third one here, and this is really special. Verse 4. He said they had much urgency. In other words, the Macedonian church was seeing the timing of what was going on. 
I remember the days when I was just came out of broke, was just reading the scriptures, just getting on fire for God, and I, but I was just a, a hands-on carpenter, five bucks an hour. And we were, i never forget, one time I was nailing, we were, we were decking a roof, and it was hot in the summer, and we were slinging plywood and nailing, and those days we had no nail guns, we were just doing everything by hand, nailing that plywood up. And Pastor Randy came by, and he came by this job, and I looked down there and saw him, and he looked at him, and he said, hey, I... I just want to give you, I was up on the roof, he's hollered at me. He said, I just want to give you, I had a word for you this morning. I said, yeah, what? And he said, Abraham. No, uh, <laughs> Abraham. <laughs> he said, uh, Israel was in Egypt for 138 years, and then they were delivered. I said, What? That's the word she came out, and then he just started laughing because he knew I was just chomping at the bit to get out of there. And he said, love you, and got in his car and drove off. I was like, that ain't funny at all. He thought it was real funny. It's to know the timing. In John chapter 2, is the story, uh, John chapter 5, excuse me, John chapter 5, verse 2, is the story where Jesus goes into the, uh, to the pool uh, and, it, and it says, you know, that it was in, the, in Bethesda, it had five porches, and there was a great multitude of sick people, blind, laying, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the waters. Now, you've got to learn, if you're really going to walk effectively in the purpose of God, you've got to learn to look for the moving of the waters of what God's doing. You've got to look for the, the stirring in the mulberry trees to see God moving. You've got to look for that timing. Because I can say that there's things that <clears throat> I believed for a long time ago that I kept thinking, why aren't these coming to pass? Why aren't these coming to pass? Why didn't this happen? Why isn't anything going on? It wasn't the timing. But I didn't know that. Because God's time is different than our time. We just want things now. That's all it is. That's all our timing is now. But God has a timing and everything. And you've got to learn to look over. You've got to learn to back up from the things of life, and look at where is God moving? Where is there a moving in the waters? Where is, where is God doing something? Wherever God's doing something, that's where you want to go because that's where he's focused on right now. So this part of your purpose or this part of your vision or this part of your will going on over here may have to stop to come over here to do this because this is what God's doing right now. Are you following me? <clears throat> and he's moving somewhere in your life. You just got to find where he's moving. What's happening? What's God doing? Where is he stirring? What's, what's taking place? And when you find those movings, then that's where you need to go towards because then that, you're going to get in the flow of God. And then all of a sudden, those waters may stop, and then you have to look for the moving again. Where's the next moving? Where's the next moving? Where's the next moving? I take time, and it, I have to do it my way. It's not for all of y'all, but like the other day, I just got in the truck and drove to San Antonio. I need a few things. I just drove down the road, had Billy Graham on the radio, listened to Billy Graham, driving along, praying in tongues, driving down the road, and just thinking about, God, where are you moving right now? Where are you moving? What's going on? What am I seeing? What's taking place? Why is this happening over here? Huh? What is that? Why, what's going on over here? 
What, do you, what is that about? I have to take those times because otherwise you just get wrapped up in all the things going on. And you're not really seeing the movings of God. Right? Like right now, all of us are, 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 our meters are spinning and we're using electricity at our house. Right? Well, so you don't need to get so caught up with that. It's just doing it. But that's not really a moving of God. That's just the stirring of the meter. Are you following me? So some, some things in your life are just the stirring of the meter. Just, that's just taking place. It's whatever. Just go on. But where's God moving? And sometimes you're trying to hear God moving. You're trying to hear what he's doing in a situation he's not even moving in. And if you're not hearing an answer, you're not hearing something going on, you're not being able to see a flow or what's taking place, why isn't this working? Maybe it's because God's over there working and you haven't seen it yet. And you have to stop, back up, pull over here, and, and go see where God's moving. Okay. The fourth one is, is simply this. It says that they were going to receive the gift from the Macedonian church. There in verse 4, so you're going to receive the gift. Okay. You've got to understand something. There are certain things y'all are gifted in and other things you're not. Stop trying to do the things you're not gifted in. Okay. Here's, a, here's, a, here's a, an example. My own life. I'm not gifted in writing letters. Number one, I can't print well nor write well. So it's kind of hard to read whatever I wrote, because it's unintelligible to most people. All right? Now, my wife is very gifted with that. So when there's a letter need to be written, my wife writes it. I can tell her what to say, but she has to put it down on paper. That's not my gifting. Find what you're good at. That's what I told you. What comes naturally to you, and do it. Stick to it and do it. Now, you can go look in Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, and, and look at the gifts of God in there, okay? And you can go look at that, and you can see how they fit and, what, you know, what they do. It's just like the other day. I told you all this. A Christian school over in the Valley wanted me to come speak to the assembly. This has been a year ago or so, year and a half. And so I, I just didn't want to say no, so I said, okay. So I went, and then all of a sudden, they I wasn't thinking about what was going on, and they stuck me in front of the whole assembly of all the kids from kindergarten to senior high in one lump sum. And I just looked at them and I was like, oh my Lord, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to relate to these kids. I, oh my gosh. And I just began to panic. Me. And so, man, I let it loose for about 15 minutes and finally I just looked at somebody and said, okay, I'm through. Come up now. Rescue me. Get me out of here. I, I can't do this. And then when I got off, everybody said, what happened to you? And I said, don't ever ask me to do this again. I'd rather be in a room full of a thousand atheists. I cannot, I don't ever ask me to do this again. I'll never, ever say yes. I felt so unanointed. Okay? I mean, I'd have done better to have my, my pistols and done pistol twirling and rope tricks. I felt like that would have been maybe something. But to try to, it just didn't work. It was not there. Okay, so just don't do it. Just don't do it. Find what you're gifted in and do it, all right? Now, the fifth one is this. Now, this is real important. 
Again, in verse 4, he says that, that they had fellowship. The fifth thing is simply this. Whatever the purpose is that God has for your life, listen to me, there is a partner for you. Now, partnerships go two ways. All right? You have a partner to help you in the ministry, but then you have a partnership with somebody to accomplish a vision. Okay, so the Apostle Paul knew what God had called him to do. He was to go to establish churches, right? But then he had these other people, Titus and Timothy especially, that came and helped and assisted him to accomplish the vision he had. So he had a partnership in establishing the churches, but he also had these guys that partnered with him to help accomplish that vision. In uh, 2 Corinthians 7, 6, it says, Nevertheless, God who comforts the downcast comforted us by the coming of Titus. Here's the great apostle Paul saying, I got comfort when Titus came to me. So there are people in life who bring you comfort. There are people in life who God has assigned to you to partner with you that they do bring you comfort. That may be your spouse, that may be your friend, that may be your whatever, 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 okay? But when they're there, you feel comforted, you feel strong, you feel like you can accomplish something, right? Those people you need to cherish because you can't do it alone. You're not going to accomplish the perfect will of God for your life alone. You've got to have partners. In 1 Corinthians 4, 7, Paul said about Timothy, he says, uh, For this reason I sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord. That's what he called him, his beloved and faithful son in the Lord. Timothy brought great comfort to Paul. Titus brought great comfort to Paul. He said, just seeing him makes me happy. It's a partnership. Okay? Now the sixth one here. In verse 5, it says, he gave, they gave themselves to the Lord. Okay? The sixth one is simply this, lordship. Okay, I talked about the will of God being your will, not his will. But then it's submitting unto the Lord and saying, Lord, you're Lord, what do you want me to go do? You know, it reminds me of Matthew 6, the Lord's Prayer. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right? Lordship, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not my will. That's lordship. Okay? So then again, if you're trying to see something move in your life and you're not seeing the stirring of the waters, you're not seeing something take place in those areas, then maybe you need to stop and say, Lord, I've got to stop and ask you this. Is this what you told me to do or is this what I want to do? Is the reason why you're not moving here is because this is all my idea? There's a lot of preachers get themselves in trouble because they do God's will. I mean, do their will, not God's will. A lot of preachers want to do things because it's going to bring them glory, not God glory. A lot of churches are doing big things, and they look good on the outside, but I don't believe that the Spirit. And I don't want to do that. I want to do what God calls us to do. And I just want to be happy in that we did what God called us to do. If it was something small or something big or whatever, just do that because I know I'm, I'm cool with Him. Right? No one wants to buy vans for the orphans. You know why? Because it's a depreciable asset. Eventually, someday, that thing's going to crater. And nobody wants to do that. They want to build a building that's going to stand for eternity. Nobody wants to put a sewer system in. They don't want to do it. 
But that's why I know God called us to do it, because I feel in my heart he wants us to do the things that are his will. He says, Robert, I need you to get this done. It's got to get done. Right? And I think it's kind of cool. Who, what better to be the church than just gets the things done that the Lord wants? And, you know, I mean, just think about this. I mean, because it, it's not glorious. So God blessed the church, the, the people that, that gave us the $375,000 to build the, the 50 widows' homes. God bless them. But nobody wants to know that you were the church that built the outhouse. But it's just as needed. Or bought the truck that took the food to the widow. You see, that's not glorious. It's glorious to say we built these houses and got them up, up, uh, you know. Now, praise God. That may be the total 100% will for them. Whether it was or not, I'm certainly glad they did it. <laughs> but my point is, it always isn't glamorous doing the will and the purpose of God. But it has to be submitted to him. It has to be his kingdom come and his will be done. And he gets the glory. Amen? Okay, the seventh one here and the last one is simply this. We have to remember, verse 6 says, he completed this in his grace. You've got to remember Romans 5.1. I've preached on this so much this year. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, to whom we have access by faith unto this grace in which we stand. We're standing in grace. God is, there's grace. Thank you, Lord, there's grace to accomplish the purpose for our life because you're going to mess it up. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to do the wrong thing. You're going to say the wrong thing. I was reminded of this the other day. I was uh, at a funeral in Savannah, and one of the ministers came up to her and told me what they were doing. And uh, he said they were going house to house in Savannah, uh, just asking if they could pray for people, if they had any prayer needs, and they'd pray for them. And I said, well, how's it going? He said, oh, really good. And a lot of the churches were probably going out there. I said, cool. I said, that's great. I said, I remember when we went door to door through every house in Savannah. And he said, really? Y'all did that? And I said, oh, yeah. You know, way back in the late 80s. He said, really? And I said, yeah, it didn't go over too good, though. And he said, why is that? I said, well, they kept taking me with them. And everybody would open the door, and the Pastor Randy or whoever would start giving their spill. And then the person was looking around beside him over at me and saying, is that Robert? He had to stop. So, yeah, that, that's Robert. He's with me. And I said, that's yeah, me. And later, Randy said, what's the deal? And I said, well, everybody in town knows me. Everybody in town knows me. You're going to all these houses. They all know me. They're all standing there wondering, why am I with the preacher out here? Am I on drugs or something wrong with me? You shouldn't have taken me. Everybody knows me. But we've got to understand there's a grace to do what God's called us to do. Praise God. There's a grace. And so that means when you mess up, get up. Dust your britches legs off. Pick it up. Start going again. And you make a mistake, okay, we'll learn from that mistake. The other day I was listening to Billy Graham again, and he said this statement. He said, uh, at first I thought he'd lost his mind when, I, when he said it. He said, uh, the, 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 he was talking about forms of government. He said, Cap uh, communism is not right. And he said, capitalism is not right. And I was like, what? 
And he said, there's only going to be one rule and reign that's going to be lasting forever, and that's the rule and the reign of Jesus Christ. And I was like, oh, okay. He finished up there. I got it now. But like I made a mistake in Russia at the time when I stood up and says, communism will rise and communism will fall. I shouldn't have said it because they started throwing potatoes at a 15-story building at us, knocking everybody out. You talk about scare of a hailstorm. Wait till you see a potato coming from 15 floors above. And I should have just left it alone. I shouldn't have said that. But I said it. I won't ever say it again. If I do, I'll say what Billy said. Capitalism's not right. Communism's not right. Only the reign of Jesus Christ is right. I was like, I wish I'd heard that message before that day. Right? But we all make mistakes. We're going to mess up. But we stand in grace. His power working on our behalf, picking us up, showing us, giving us whatever we need to do. Just pick your, dust your bridges, legs off, and go on. Now, uh, I want to tell you all this. This is something strange that happened the other day. Jake and I came up here to put uh, an antenna up to do a, a, a listening station for the guys that are outside. And uh, so we tried one day, and it didn't work. We tried the next day, and it didn't work. So we went to the next week, and then he was busy, and then I was busy, and he was busy, and I was busy. And finally, we got to a day. We said, okay, let's do it on you know this day. And so then we came up here, and uh, we were working, and I had to go back out to my shop to do some welding to, to on some brackets. And Jake was here at the church by himself. And so he's working back there to get all the electronic stuff that we need done. And he looks up in the monitors and looks in the screen. There's a vehicle drives in parking lot. And it kind of moves around. He's just kind of sitting out there. It looks strange. And he's thinking, what is this? Who is this? You know, on a, was that Thursday? I think it was a Thursday, wasn't it? Off day, you know, nobody coming to church or anything. And so he goes outside to see what this person was doing. And he goes up to him, and this guy said he was just driving by, not from around here, just driving by the road, just drove by the road, pulled in the parking lot, couldn't see his phone. His phone screen was black. He couldn't see it. Of course, the perfect, he had the perfect person to fix his phone. And so Jake says, here, let me see it. And so he fixes his phone for him, starts talking to the guy, and the guy starts telling him the story that he's just discouraged and despaired, and he lost his wife, and... And he's driving down the road, and he's thinking about committing suicide. Pulls into the parking lot out here. At that time, nobody was here. Nobody was ever here on a Thursday. At the time when we decided, like literally like, literally like three or four times, we had tried to set up a time to come down here, and it didn't work for either one of us. But then we finally did that day, which was the perfect day for that guy to drive by. Jake says, well, can I pray with you? And he prays with the man, ministers to him. man said, man, I can't, you know, I, I just, so glad I stopped by, you know, and stopped here. Somebody's here, and, and we were both thinking, yeah, you don't know what a miracle this is, man. There shouldn't have been anybody here. But you see, when you, when you commit it to the Lord, you're standing in his grace, he makes it work out. So I went away that day thinking, wow, just like Robert, all I was thinking about doing was getting an antenna put up. Yeah. But God had a bigger purpose. Right? That's how we have to think about every day. We're just thinking about going and doing it, but you got to watch and look for the moving of the waters. Look for the stirring. Look what God may be doing. Look what's taking place. You've got to be there because, well, you know, really Jake was the miracle because he stayed here and I, I left and went to the, to, to the shop. 
But I wasn't thinking. I did not wake up that morning, folks. And God said, look, there's going to be a guy come through the parking lot, and you need to be ready. You know, here's an extra scripture to give the guy. There was nothing. I had no unction in my heart, no inkling in my heart that this is going to take place and a man's life could be saved that day because we happen to be at the right place at the right time. But God. So all I'm saying to you is through the whole time and all the things you're seeking to search around, submit it to the Lord. Lay it out before him. Trust in his grace. As long as your will is lined up with his will and as long as you've made him Lord of it, look, the rest of it, you just have to see the stirring of the water, see what's going on, and then be there to do good. And it's really that simple. If we would just back off and let him do it. Amen? So that's the seven points of something. You can come up with a title for that one. Good job. Poor Jake, you know, I don't title my messages, and so then he has to put it on the podcast, and so he has to come up with the title. If I don't come up with the title, he has to come up with the one, so. Yeah, seven points of something. <laughs> Polly, everybody stops and what is this? <laughs> Praise God. Amen? Well, Bill, help us not. Me an offering envelope. Make sure if you're doing anything on the vans, put van on it or widow's house or something so we know what's going on with it. We're about to get that all wrapped up. I think we're going to have them bought by the end of the week. God is so good. We were looking at shipping them, and we found, uh, Bethany actually found this place. She said, we can get them shipped for $1,200, a van, but they have to go to Port Arthur. Port Arthur? No, Gulfport. I was thinking Port Arthur down by Houston. And she said Gulfport. And I was like, okay, yeah, that's just down there by Houston. It's not that big a deal. But then I had to look at in Mississippi. It's Gulfport, Mississippi. <laughs> and I was like, is there anything, Lord, in Gulfport, Mississippi? So I started looking all these things. Maybe there's something to go see in Gulfport, Mississippi, you know? I didn't find it. So I started praying. I said, Lord, do something. And then... Uh, Tommy Atkinson called and said, hey, I got it. I, we can ship them right out of Galveston. I said, that's better than Gulfport. Same money. So I said, praise God. Galveston looks a whole lot better than Mississippi. And if y'all ever, you know, if you've ever driven down that road, like if you go to Florida and you go down 90 or, or 10 all the way down there, that's the worst road in the world. So as you get out of Texas, it's just like all of a sudden you're just going along all of a sudden just like, whoo, you just fall off into another world. And it's like, all the way for the next 15 hours, you know. It's horrible. And then you get to Florida, it picks back up. But in between, holy moly. Yeah, it'd even be worse. Okay, praise God. Put your hand on your offering. Father, I just declare right now tonight, these are the most blessed people on the face of the earth. I declare, Lord, that you bless their businesses, you bless their lives, you bless their everything that they put their hands to. I declare, Lord God, you bless, you bless their investments, you bless their retirements, you bless them in ways that they cannot even imagine. And so, Lord, I thank you for it. I praise you for it, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Hello, this is Robert Richards, and you're listening to The Waterhole, our weekly broadcast which is now available on iTunes and all major podcast platforms. You can also watch the weekly video broadcast on our YouTube channel. Link's in the description. I pray this has been a blessing to you. And if you've enjoyed this message, please share this with a friend. God bless you and remember, no matter where you are and what you've done, 
Jesus loves you.